0: So this morning, um, we're going to look at Psalm 119, the seventh stanza. Psalm 119, verse 49 to 56. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast cast me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word has quickened me. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgment of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror has taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statues have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night and have kept thy law. This I had because I kept thy precepts. So far the reading. let Let us pray. Dear Father, in heaven we once again come before your throne of grace. Father, we pray as we um, just read a portion of your word, Father, that um, it becomes very clear to us what um, you have to say to us this morning here. Father, I I pray that you help me to be clear and accurate, Father, and that um, it may come across, Father, so that we may be edified by, by your word. And so I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just what I said. This is the seventh stanza of this uh, of this long, lengthy psalm, and um, um, as I have said before, on the earlier stanzas we dealt with, um, the the writer of this psalm is not really known, and yet many refer to it that David was the writer. The more I, in my limited understanding when I look at it I see indeed uh, because of the life of David and uh, what he went through that it is indeed uh, David but I will refer in this um, sermon um, to the writer as the writer or the psalmist to be fair. So uh, as we have seen from earlier stanzas each verse in a stanza starts with the same letter. And in this stanza, all verses in the Hebrew start with the letter Zayn. The letter Zayn is shaped like a scepter or a sword. As we see in Ephesians 6 verse 17, the, the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of God. So it fits well with our stanza here this morning. But first I would like to point out some of the contrast we see in this section of verses. We see some parallels in these verses. We see uh, in this prayer that the writer is often in distress and anguish because of his enemies. On the one side, we see the cost of believing and obeying the word of God. Look at verse forty nine. It feels as if uh, he feels forgotten by God in times of need. Or look at verse 50. He is afflicted. 51. The proud scoffed at him. Of verse 52. He is in great need of comfort. Verse 53. He feels grieved. He feels deeply grieved at the transgressions of the law by the wicked. 54, he feels like a stranger on earth, surrounded by enemies. Verse 55, he wakes up in the middle of the night in distress and affliction at times. Now, on the other side, we see in these verses what happens to him through the ministry of the Word. Again, look at verse 49. We see with boldness he prays and knows where his hope comes from. Verse 50 and 52, the Word of God brings comfort. Verse 53, the word of God gives him the zeal to be against those who take the law of God lightly. Verse 54, the word brings a song in his heart. And lastly, verse 55, the word provides a remembrance of God in his heart, even in the night. So as, a, as an overview, we see that God's word will bring suffering in one way or another for any believer and the word of God brings comfort and strength for anyone who believes the word of God so let's go back to verse 49 so the language here is a prayer that God would not forget what he had promised that all that he had said might be fulfilled that expectations and hope given in the word might be realized it is a language which may be used with reverence and without any implications that God would forget. As a child might, uh, with politeness, ask a parent to remember a promise which he had made. But it may seem that God delays to give his promises, and often he does. Because the psalmist is still in a tremendous difficult time in his life, he pleads with God to remember his word and to his servant and note the writer refers to himself as a servant he has a humble disposition towards God a servant to do God's will it is hope in God's word what God will deliver and he has received faith that causes him to hope but let's see what Proverbs 13 verse 12 says hope deferred Makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So think about this. When you put your hope and wishes on something for someone for a long time, and when it comes, you will be very grateful to him, right? It gives an unspeakable pleasure and delight. Now, this may be applied in this way as well as to the first coming of Christ. This was the great hope uh, of the Old Testament saints. And it was hoped for in, on a good foundation, on a promise of God's word. It was often repeated, written, spoken, confirmed. Yet, this promise and hoped for blessing was deferred a long time. From the first promise of it to its accomplishment, the 4,000 years. Though not deferred longer than God's appointed time yet longer than the saints expected and which sometimes made their hearts sick they became weak or feeble and and fearful and disheartened but when the desire came Christ the desired one who gave redemption and salvation to many it was the exceeding joyfulness and delightfulness to all that expected him And so we need to apply this to our own life when we live our Christian life and find ourselves in difficult situations or perhaps finding opposition to our faith by the people around us, maybe in the workplace, or school, or even in your families. That we can trust God for his word. We can believe his promises and he will give us confident hope. God will look after his children. He will give us the grace and will sustain us to the end he calls us home and this is the confident hope of what this servant in this verse had it says in 2nd Peter 3 verse 9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise all his promises will come to pass in his time and for our good hope is not all the writer experienced when we look at the next verse verse 50 We see that he found comfort from the word in times of affliction, and the word had quickened him, it says, right? And as you know, no man of God is exempt from affliction. You may be in a situation that you have unbelieving family members who are indifferent or hostile to the gospel, you may be shunned by them because you believe in the God of the Bible. There may be people in your life who claim to believe in God, but in any conversation with them, you notice a great hostility against the word of God. And this can easily bring hurt or anger and breaks sometimes relationships. The psalmist is clear. In affliction, he is comforted in it with God's comfort. Because it says, my affliction, he had comfort because he called it my comfort. He applied the word to himself. There are many things we can find comfort in, as you see in this quote, what comes here from Spurgeon. And it says, the worldling clutches his money back and says, this is my comfort. The spender points to his happiness and shouts, this is my comfort. The drunkard lifts his glass and sings, This is my comfort. But the man who hopes comes from God feels the giving power of the word of the Lord and testifies, this is my comfort. So let us not find our ultimate comfort in the things of this world, but go to the living word. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. Comfort is desirable all times. But comfort in affliction is like a lamp in a dark place. Some are unable to find comfort at such time. But it does not need to be so for believers. Our Savior has said, I will not leave you comfortless. Psalm 94 verse 19 talks about this. And a multitude of my thoughts within me Thy comforts delight my soul. 2 Corinthians one three five. 5. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ so we never without comfort in difficult times as we see in many places in God's word listen to this quote I don't know who um, wrote it originally but some have comfort and no affliction others have affliction and no comfort but believers have comfort in their affliction so let's look at the second half of that verse 50 here. The word also had quickened him, it says. Often when someone is quickened in the Bible, it means that someone is made spiritual life, as in quickening dead sinners, becoming born again. But it also can be used to revive a downcast spirit when in affliction and distress. The Lord says in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, My grace is sufficient for thee, for thy strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let us not forget that it is not the Word without the Holy Spirit, nor the Holy Spirit generally without the Word, but the Holy Spirit by the Word. John 6:63 6, says, "It is the spirit that quickens. The Word is the instrument. And the Spirit is the almighty agent, you could say. That is why we ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us and to quicken us when we read his word. Then we can see that the work is from the Lord and nothing is left for us than to praise our Lord for it. Verse 51, the proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from their law. So proud and profane sinners scoffed at the psalmist as he is serious about his fate, loves the Lord and trusts in his word they ridiculed him and tried to convince him to come along in their lifestyles convictions but because of his conscience and convictions he was unwilling to intermingle in their pursuits so for us today there is nothing new under the sun if you look at the headlines of your newsfeed or even the local newspaper in the last couple of weeks, you see this very thing, the proud and profane who call evil good and good evil. It is indeed no new thing, but it shows and expresses itself now in different ways. Our children at a young age are indoctrinated in many of our school systems. The biblical norm of male and female is distorted and children are being confused at a very young age with who they are. Even some of our laws in this country reflect that we need to bow down to this antichrist, for God has made each one of them beautifully in the image in to his image, either male or female. Are you surprised, believer, that you are attacked and ridiculed for in whom you believe? Our Lord Jesus also experienced this, and particularly at his condemnation to die on the cross. Just as he did not deviate from God's word, neither does the suffering remnant, his church. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we see in verse 51, yet have I not declined from thy law, or in verse 157 of this same Psalm 119, many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. So let us be watchful. You may think You make a good profession of your faith and think you are a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But is your faith tested? Many have been tested and deserted and only showed to be self-confident. Be well armed with the word of God. It kept the psalmist steadfast and anchored in the midst of derision of the proud reminder from Colossians 3:16, let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. When we look at verse 52, the word judgment here seems to refer to uh, the divine dealings. This can be favorable or unfavorable. This can be a blessing or a curse. As a blessing, receiving the promises of God or a curse to punish the wicked. The writer remembered the judgments of old and by it he testified that God had established his law permanently. When we read of God's vengeance towards the ungodly, he confirms what God has spoken and that the law of God was always the same and always will be. And the breaking of God's holy law has consequences. So, and here, he is referring to the judgment of old on the wicked, like bringing a flood on the world of the ungodly or the burning of Sodom and Gomorrah or the destruction of Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea as he looked back and saw what the arm of the Lord had done in ancient days or the Israelites taking out the Canaanites in dispossessing them of their land, or the providential dealings of God towards his own people, who he sometimes chastises and corrects, and brings them very low, and then raises them up again, as in the case of Job. These things the psalmist called to remembrance, which gave him comfort. This comfort that God dealt with the mighty and the proud of old could also deal with the man who were against the psalmist and God who had shown himself so good and gracious to his own people when brought low could raise him out of his affliction and distresses it not good for us to think and reflect of his judgment of old ourselves as we look back in our own lives how the Lord dealt with our own soul. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, is it says in Psalm 25, 10. It is by the grace of God that he took any believer here out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set our feet upon a rock and established our going, in the words of Psalm 40, verse 2. Although you and I deserve death and hell because of our sins the Lord gave us faith and repentance and saved us and put us safe in his fold. what a comfort this is as reflected well in the 23rd Psalm and I'll read it the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This does not mean that our lives will be without trouble, opposition, or derision. Just as the psalmist expresses here in this 119th psalm. But our Father is the God of our comforts. As you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Maybe read this at home and meditate on this. But let us move on to the next verse because the psalmist has more on his heart. Verse 53 Uh, as horror has taken hold upon him because of the wicked that forsake thy law. While the remembrance of God's judgments bring comfort to him, it also stirs up a sense of sadness, to say it mildly. Really, the remembrance of God's judgment causes a burning indignation in him because the wicked who have forsaken God's law, his word, He has a righteous anger towards the ungodly as he knows that a whole world is laying in in wickedness. 1 John 19, the image of God is marred. This is what the psalmist is dealing with, people that hate God and his word. But why does the psalmist feel so strongly about this? The answer lays not only in this stanza of this psalm but in many of the verses of this lengthy psalm 119. It was because the word of God was put in his heart. He has an extreme high regard for the word of God. It gives him hope. It quickens him. Its faith causes him not to decline or turn away from the law. It comforts him. He loves the Lord and hates what God hates. And when he writes about the horror that struck him, this means that he has a burning zeal for God's word in that he was not only deeply grieved by anyone who transgresses the law, but he also holds the utmost detestation towards them who lightly esteem the law of God, as one commentary puts it. Turn with me to Psalm 7, if you like, verse 11 to 13. It says, God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword He had bent his bow and made it ready. He had also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordains his arrows against the persecutors. Now one day everyone will stand before the judgment seat of God, the Almighty. The one is made righteous and repented of their sins. And by faith believe in the saving work of Christ alone and the one who never repented of sin and continued to live in darkness till the end both need to give account but for the believer the holy wrath of God is put on the perfect perfect son of God who stood in the gap to save those sinners but anyone who does not believe in the finished work of Christ the wrath of God will be poured out and will not stand on that final day Sometimes you hear people say that God hates the sin and loves the sinners, but this is false. Psalm 11:5 says, "The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that loves violence, His soul hates, that is, such who live in sin and wickedness. Second Thessalonians 2:8, "And then shall that wicked be revealed." whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. God will deal with every sin because he is a righteous God, he is a holy God. But oh, what a mercy and joy it is for every believer here to have received forgiveness of sin and salvation and strength to endure any difficult time or trial or opposition for, for believing the word of God and I pray that the law of God his word may be increasingly precious in our hearts and what else will it produce in a believers heart regardless of the circumstances look at me at verse 54 The statues have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage it produces a song in the heart With the statues of God in our hand and on our heart, we are prepared with a song for every step of our way, as Charles Bridges puts it. Psalm 40, verse 3 to 5 says, He has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that makes the Lord his trust and respect not the proud. Nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more that I could number. So David is saying here that the wonderful works of the Lord are too many to count and speak, if he would try. It was not only speaking the word, but he put it to song as well. Speak and sing to ourselves and to others, as it says in Ephesians 5 19. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making a melody in our heart, in your heart to the Lord. And we see many examples in the Bible where believers were singing a song to the Lord. We read in Acts 16 while in prison, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises unto God. We see Mary's song in Luke 1. My soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. We sing psalm, hymns, or spiritual songs based on the word of God to remember the wonderful works of our Heavenly Father, Jesus' finished work on the cross and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So in this verse we also see the song sang in the house of my pilgrimage, meaning in this life he is passing through like a journey in preparation to another world. For a pilgrim like the psalmist, this is not his home. It is a journey and it is metaphorically like often walking through a desert amidst rocks, sand, and desolation. Hebrews 11.13 talks about saints who all died in faith, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so is that for us, as believers as well. This is not our home, either. So then we see in verse 55... We see the psalmist remembering the name of the Lord in the night and kept the law of God. In the day he had his pilgrim song and at night his meditation as we saw in Psalm 63 that we read and were singing this morning. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee. In the night watches. Now, some of us may not always sleep well at night because of sorrows or trials. But if we can spend those waking hours with God and remember His goodness and His grace, then that darkness is not darkness anymore. We see in Psalm 22 that David describes the coming suffering of the Messiah. Where it appears that even the Lord Jesus derived support from the remembrance of the name of the Lord in the night time. It says, "O my God, I cry in the daytime, but Thou hearest not; and in the night season, and am not silent, but Thou art holy, O Thou that inhabits the praise of Israel." Our Lord Jesus, when He was in the garden of Gethsemane in the night when He was betrayed and taken captive he was sorrowing and praying and though the natural desires of of his human soul were not heard and answered that the cup might pass from him yet his prayer was to be in submission to the will of God as Jesus said nevertheless not my will but thine be done when we remember his name and his attributes like this psalm 22 his holiness but we can also think of his justice his righteousness his goodness his love and so much more then our suffering becomes more bearable because we can trust God for who he is and then we will keep his law no not perfectly but by the grace of God we will have a greater desire to be devoted to our Lord Jesus and obey him as the psalmist says to keep his law and in our last verse here verse 56 this is like a summary of our previous verses today it says this I had not this I hoped for this I had because I kept thy precepts, literally meaning, this was to me, that is, this has happened to me, says the psalmist, that he received comfort from the word, joy and delight in it, singing songs in his life of pilgrimage. Here is an acknowledgement of all the benefits that he received from the Lord as a living testimony. He was able to overcome difficult circumstances because he was meditating on the word of God. He has it hidden in his heart so that he easily could remember it in times of plenty and in times of need. The passion and love he had for the Lord is visible from every stanza of this Psalm 119 and all because he was deeply in the word we can have the same if we go deeper in his word we learn by the grace of God to rely more on him and be able to face every adversary and affliction or even persecution let us pray most holy God we come before you this morning hour once again Father we thank you for who you are we thank you for your word what enlightens us when you open our eyes Father what a beauty it is to to read your word to meditate on it and the hope and the comfort we receive from your word thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ his work on the cross who has saved sinners throughout the ages And still does. Father, we thank you for his perfect sacrifice. Father, we thank you for all comforts that you have given us. It's easy to be satisfied with our earthly comfort, and yet that will flee away, that will fall away, that will that will rust, that will rot. But Father, the comfort that you give. To the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, the love for undeserved, so undeserved for sinners like us. That gives us hope, that gives us joy. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen.